Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Well, hello, everybody. It is me, Rosie O'Donnell. How are you? Summer is almost over. Can you even believe that? I got back from my vacation with all my kids, except Chels, who was not available. We had a great time, you know. Parker showed up for a couple days and doesn't like the beach, so he sat in the house for most of the time. But, you know, we played chess and we played uh, Clue and categories and we had fun, you know, that's the kind of vacation I like when you just get to sit around with your family and good friends. Jeannie and Jackie both came too. I'm not used to walking up very steep dunes in the hot sand. And even though I'm under 200, you know, for the first time in a long time, I still was not able to do it. And and Vivi was running up in front of me with water bottles and putting it on the sand because I started to cry because my feet were on fire and I couldn't get on the towel enough. And it was awful. It really was. And speaking of awful, I can't get over what happened in Lahaina. I can't get over it. I can't get over what's going on in, in Hawaii. And uh, it's very, very unnerving. You know, my Aunt uh, Minnie, my father's eldest brother, James, Uncle Jim, and Aunt Min, she was royal-blooded Hawaiian, and uh, they met during Pearl Harbor, and he was in the armed forces, and uh, we have been going there and, and knowing about Kamehameha and the history of the Hawaiian Islands and since I was a little girl, and um, I've been there as an adult, I was there as a teenager, and I just can't believe the the sorrow that you feel looking at what's happening. And every time there's a world crisis it um, or a national crisis, for me, uh, somehow the national ones, starting with Columbine to me, and then, of course, 9-11 and Katrina and all of the horrors that we have lived through here as a nation, we all have to do what we can. We really do. I saw some millionaires who live there, billionaires who live there, actually, 
Jeff Bezos being one, gave $100 million, which is, uh, you know, not a lot for Jeff Bezos, I don't think, but good for him for doing that. And I wish all the other billionaires of Maui would uh, follow suit. Wouldn't that be nice? It's hard to tell people what they should do and shouldn't do and what they should feel or shouldn't feel. What else is going on in my life and my world? Trump is in trouble. He's in big trouble. And I think in order for our nation and democracy to thrive and continue, in order for our country to realize what went down with him, he needs to be held accountable in a court of law, and that's what's going on, and he's not liking it. He is going to be held accountable, and that's what's happening right now in the world. We have a wonderful guest today, my friend Samantha B., and I'm so happy that I got to know her, and it was all because of Nora Ephron, you know? Nora Ephron wrote this wonderful show with her sister Delia called Love, Loss, and What I Wore, all about women's connection to their clothing and style and fashion, which is frankly something I don't possess. I consider that a girl gene that I am missing. <laughs> I am missing the girl gene. You know, my, my friends have always told me that my clothing choice is basic boy-toddler. Love, Loss, and What I Wore was all about women and their clothing. And it featured five of us women in uh, the original cast, which we were there off-Broadway in New York for a long time. And it's how I met and became friends with Natasha Leone, and how I met and became friends with Samantha B, who I just think is so brilliant. And I love her as a person. I love her as a friend. I love her as a contributor to the national discussion about news and policy and politics in America. I cheered her on from my my couch, you know, when I would watch her every night and think, She's doing it, she's saying it, and she's the only woman out there in the game. And I'm so proud of her and proud of what she's accomplished and, and who she is and her intellect and humor and her ability to really hit the bullseye on a target that she's discussing. Not easy to do, really. Not easy to do. I've tried it. I'm, I'm not a good political pontiff because I get too angry and, and too belligerent. And uh, Samantha B does not, but her... Feelings are known and they're heard and they're able to be consumed in a way that is very, very impressive. And um, we got to be friends when we did that show all those years ago and we've remained friends now. And uh, I'm just happy to know her. And I got to sit down and chat with her. I hadn't chatted with her in, uh, in a while. And so it was nice to catch up. And I think you're going to enjoy today's podcast. Here she is, the one and only, you know or you love her, Samantha B. Well, hello, Samantha B. Hi, how are you? I'm really good. It was so fun to do your podcast. Thank you. I enjoyed our conversation so thoroughly. Yeah. And I think everyone else did, too. It was so good to talk to you. Oh, I'm glad. I'm so glad about that, um, you know? Yes. Once you have your own, you kind of um, want to deliver for someone else. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you delivered. You well, delivered. thank you. I'm very glad. How is everyone in your family? Everyone in my family is good. It's like summertime stuff. 
So I feel like, I don't know what your life is like in the summer, but now I'm just driving. Yeah. I'm just driving everybody everywhere because no one's old enough to drive. No one has their license yet. What's the ages? What's the ages? So ages are 13 and 15 and 17. And so she's learning to drive, but she doesn't have her driver's license. So I'm doing, everybody does a lot of activities. And that means that I'm doing no activities other than yeah. driving. I'm just I driving. remember those days. Yes. I remember those. You yeah. feel like you're an Uber driver. You really do. No, I am. I'm definitely an Uber driver. And where we're situated right now, everything you have to drive. You just have to drive everywhere. And so I don't mind it. It's fine. I'm listening to audiobooks and stuff. So it's it's okay. Are you like in the suburbs? You're not in the city yeah, city? Yeah, I'm in the suburbs. Yeah. But, and they don't want to talk to me anyway. So it's not like we're having rich conversations. Where Believe me, like, I understand, honey. I've lived through it four times. <laughs> I literally am like an Uber driver and no one's talking to me. I'm just like on my own listening to right. my stories. <laughs> right. And do they all have their ear pods in listening to their own thing or playing uh, on their phone? A hundred percent. And they don't want to yeah. listen to my stuff. They don't think my stuff is horrible and that my music is emo and they don't want to hear it. And so they're just, they just They do. accuse me of emo music too. They do think they? Joni Mitchell is emo. Oh, okay. It's fair. Go, it probably Mommy, is. Why, but why are you listening to that suicide music? I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? This is some of the greatest oh. prose that anyone has ever written. You know, I, first of all, I love like "Free Man in Paris" is one of my favorite songs of all time, and I will sing it. And I like to listen to it like four times in a row. Yeah, it's horrifying for them. And then I introduced them. I I tried to make them listen to Radiohead the other day, and they were like. This is the worst. <laughs> they were like, this is the worst music we've ever heard in our lives. No kidding. How dare you? What was their reason? Did they have a reason? They were just like, it's so sad. It's like it's music that you, you know, it's just like, are you taking heroin? Like, are you on heroin? Like, are you right, in a right. hotel by yourself? Like, what is, <laughs> why are you, how can you, this isn't driving music. <laughs> no. Now, um, do you find, as I found with Mm -hmm. my kids when they were around that age, that the only way I could get them to talk to me Mm -hmm. was when we were in the car, Mm -hmm. so I didn't have to look at them? I kind of feel like if you can have them either in the back seat or Mm -hmm. in the front seat, like looking sideways out their window, and then you can broach the topics Mm -hmm. that... But like face-to-face at the kitchen table, no, it's not going to work. That will never work. Car is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like, we go for, we do go for walks and walks are very good for us because everybody's face, yeah, it's the same, it's the same dynamic. It's the driving right. dynamic. So you're facing outward. Everybody's right. facing outward. Everybody starts to get reflective. Like their legs and arms are moving and I think it loosens conversation. Yeah, I think you're right. I definitely do. Very helpful. Do you have little athletes? Are you also the sports mother as well? They're not. We are not. We're not a super sports family, but they mm-hmm. are. They do do summertime sports. So they do like, well, the youngest daughter is really getting into volleyball. So she's doing this like very specialized, she's going to this special volleyball place, which is, it's sort of new for us. Right. So that this is all, it's all a bit new. They're doing different sports and it hasn't been a part of our life up till now. They weren't like big soccer kids or right, right. baseball or anything like that. We were always yeah. like, our weekends are very precious. We can't right. take you to sports. And they were like, we're fine with that. 
<laughs> Mommy and Daddy are very tired. Mommy and Daddy are too tired. So don't you want to use the we instead? <laughs> you can stay home, and I don't have to drive you anywhere. <laughs> yes. Pretty much. <laughs> now I read it. I saw. I already heard you on a podcast talking about when you had your show mm-hmm. and the kind of societal pressure that you felt. Mm-hmm. To kind of deliver and 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 the political nature of it always, mm-hmm. like it got very difficult for you. I think so. You know, it just it was like I mean, I always do like to qualify it because it's still like it's like it's still a TV job. It's it's a pretty great job, and I right you know right. I appreciate all of that. But having to comment on the news cycle all the time, yeah, was it's very it can bring you you can. You can fall into kind of like a toxic, you know, it's like going down a drain. You feel like yeah, despair. You despair. feel despair. Yeah. You have to be so, you have to have a complete awareness of the news cycle at all times. So you're very glued to, like, at least for me, I was very much glued to social media and Twitter at the time and just like knowing what was going on, like in the moment, like at the, to the second. Like breaking, mm. it was just like breaking news all the time. Right. Because we would shift our priorities on the show based on what was happening. And so I do feel like I'm I'm pretty done with that. I'm not, I don't yearn for that. I don't yearn for it. I'm still constantly paying attention to the news, but less so. And that feels like a mini miracle. Yeah, you know, during... Uh the pandemic, I was doing nothing but news and yeah. trying to find out. And I got so depressed in my house yes. in New Jersey with, yes. you know, one kid right. and uh, it was this big house and all nobody could come over. And mm-hmm. it was just, it got like overwhelmingly sad. And, you know, what my doctors did not only change the medication that I'm on, but mm-hmm. also insist that I stop listening to the news on like a constant cycle. Because I start having intrusive thoughts in the middle of, in the pool, playing with my kid. Like, right. what's happening in Afghanistan? Mm-hmm. Is Trump going to ever get in trouble? <laughs> what, like, I couldn't, I couldn't stop the intrusive thoughts, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I find that my mood is definitely lifted when I don't immerse myself or marinate in the news. That's it. That's a great word, marinating, because you end up, like, I found that I started to get wrinkles in between my eyes from just, like, Mm. frowning all the time. Like, I have these really thick muscles in my forehead now from just, like... (laughs) like Always scowling and, like, what? The cursed facial expressions I was making and, like... Um, I think my back was really hunched, and it was like it was like a shot of cortisol, like just that cortisol spike all the time, just like yeah, yeah. spiking, spiking, spiking. Mm. It's so uh, it, it's it's very it's very unhealthy. I actually this is not this is probably too much. I'm sure your listeners don't want to hear this. I'm sure I, they do. Go ahead. Okay, I developed a huge like uterine polyp. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what was happening, but I think that it started <laughs> when I started the show. <laughs> and then I was not aware of it, but I was having all of these kind of like physiological problems mm-hmm. that I think were related to it. And I just recently had it removed and all of those things went away. And when they removed it, they were like, that was huge. That was right. very huge. And it was benign, so it was fine. But I was I like, got- oh, it's probably... Seven seasons of the news cycle. <laughs> it could have been, you know what I mean? 
there is a mind-body connection. We all have to realize that, (laughs) you know, it's really unbelievable to think that it's all, you know, (laughs) what you consume, you become, right? So, you became a big polyp of benign nothingness. Uh, Just an invasive, just like this looming, like invasive creature. I was like, when you cut it out, did you have to like throw it across the room? Did it blow up? Step on it. Yeah, did you kill it? <laughs> like that alien totally. Sigourney Weaver monster. Yeah, totally. like the face hugger from Alien. <laughs> yeah, and you, your show went off the air mm-hmm. right before they revoked Roe versus Wade. Yeah, that our last episode was the literally the day before. How is that? I mean, I crazy. The timing. It was like... The weirdest parenthesis, because we were talking about them, I mean, I think from the beginning of the show, and so the show launched in 2016, and we were talking right out the gate about their attempts to overturn Roe. And so the fact that our last episode was the literal day before, and that's what we talked about on the show, because we knew it was going to happen, obviously. But for so long, you know, for so many years at the show, I think people thought we were just like these... This alarmist, like, alarmist. This like Cassandra, yeah. just like chicken, like chicken little, chicken little. The sky you know is I mean? falling. The sky yes. is falling, and I was like, "Hey, you don't want to be right about these things, but I, you know, but this, you were, but I am, was, <laughs> you know, right? It's and, terrible. And how do you feel as a woman to think that we have daughters mm-hmm. who aren't going to have the same rights that we had, who are going to have less rights in their adulthood than we did? You know, you want to imagine that you have children and you make the world is a better place for them than it was for you when you were. Right. And there are certainly things have improved in some ways for certain, but I'm like, I can't believe you still have to fight for this. I can't right. believe that this has to be as much a part of your vernacular as it was for it, and it wasn't for a lot of us because we were like, well, you know, at least there are some protections in play now. And now it's like a whole brand new fight all over again. Everybody's yeah, the same fight, the same all fight over again. It just keeps going. Louder voices on the other side. I don't mm-hmm. think more voices. I just think they've gotten louder. They feel kind of emboldened to take away half the population's bodily autonomy. A hundred percent. It's a lot of like, you know, the vibe is a lot of like shrink government, make government smaller, but also make thousands of extra rules for everybody else to live under. <laughs> Except for us. Except for us. And hey, we like Did, these rules, so you should all love them too. Stay tuned. There's more with Samantha B right after this. Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. How come I thought that you were from a big family? I thought well, that you that you had a lot of brothers and sisters and that uh-uh. your parents, when you were young, you would work selling T-shirts. I did sell T-shirts, but I yeah, definitely- but with your brother and sister, I thought. Maybe I misread <clears throat> what I, you yeah, know. Yeah, no. My mother is an only child, and my dad only had one brother, so actually my family is very small. Wow. There's a lot of only children in my family. How did you find that? Because now that I have Dakota, mm-hmm. who is 10 years younger than my next child, mm-hmm. um, it's almost like having an only child because right. the other kids are out of the house. And so I got the experience of having four right in a row mm-hmm. and then kind of having an only child. And it's a completely different relationship that you have with your mother. It's very different. It's very like, I feel I mean, I, I can't speak for all only children, but I was mature. Like I was had facility in adult situations because I just was around adults all the time. Mm. And, and I don't, I wouldn't say that I was. I had friends. I wasn't really lonely. I now, right. as an adult, think it's worse. I actually think yeah. it's worse for me as an adult because, because because I would love to have a brother or a sister to share with like my own kids I'm so thrilled that they have this dynamic like they'll always have I mean this is it's a weird thing to say but they always have each other to complain about me like they can no that's so true I get that there's like a sounding board right for someone who just like automatically understands your circumstances and understands your household and I just don't have, I don't have like a sounding board in that way. I get that so much. Although my siblings and I kind of argue over whose version of history is most accurate. Sure. Which is difficult in, difficult. in sibling relationships, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like who's, oh, you didn't go to mommy's funeral. Yes, I did. I was, no, you didn't because I, well, wait a minute. You know, like who's, who is the <laughs> custodian of all the narrative truths, right? Right. And they vary from kid to kid. Of course, of course. And each, and different thing, everything is, hits you differently depending on who you are. Like I, I definitely observe my own children and go, what are the stories they're going to tell about us? Like what are right. the, what are the things that I reflect on so differently from how they see it? Like my facial, like, 
One thing that happens a lot in our family is that my kids will say, are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? Mm. Mm, Interesting. I'm not. I have a very naturally, like my mouth is kind of like yeah, physically. Yeah, mine too. It goes down, down it goes on the down. sides. Yeah, my resting face, I look like I'm upset. Me too. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. And I, I'm like, I'm just, no, I'm I'm not mad at all. I'm just like thinking. I was just like thinking right. or focused on something else. And they, so I wonder if like, in a way, they're going to grow up and go, she was really mad at us a lot. Because oh, they have, right. they keep, they always say that. They, and I'm like, they still ask you, even though every time it's been no. Every time it's no. And every time I say, no, I'm not. I'm just my face, like, look at my mouth. It's mm-hmm. just like downturned. I can't keep it in. It's too much work to keep yeah. a smile. <laughs> like, what? You know, when I, I was it? on my show, when I was on my show, I was smiling a lot. Yes. And so, comparatively to when I was in Target, mm-hmm. people would stop me and go, Are you okay? <gasps> I'm like, Yeah, this is my normal face. Right. They're like, Well, it looks like something's wrong. I'm like, You're used to seeing this. <laughs> and now I'm just being this. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It was a difficult uh, transition to now, make. Now I'm just shopping. Yeah, it's just shopping. <laughs> Before I was with working. With four kids who were toddlers. So <laughs> With makeup. Help I me. had a lot of makeup and a lot <laughs> of people doing stuff. <laughs> now, how have you felt since the ending of the show? Did you feel like, wow, I want to go on to something else or I want to take a break or, you know, let me try this podcast? What, what, did it, what was the procedure? Did you have an emotional reaction to it being done? I did. I mean, of course. Like, I definitely, there were so many, a lot goes into it. I mean, it's it's public. I wasn't really surprised that the show went away. I actually felt that that was coming for a really long time. It's just the timing. It, it's more like, uh, it's like shocking, but not at all surprising. So, mm-hmm. there were you know, for a lot of weeks, I was like, all right, what's next? What are we going to do? Like, you got to try to sell it somewhere else. Like, you kind of think there's this scramble, and I kind of want to preserve everyone's jobs. Sure. um, Because you worry about, you end up being very worried about the people who work for you and who've given so much. I'm like, I want to keep them working or help them. I totally understand that. Just keep it going. And then when I had a chance to kind of not, be scrambling so much when the scramble kind of died down a little bit. I was like, all right, I should really think about what are the things that I loved from it? What are the things that I liked about the job? It's apparent to me that it's not just going to continue somewhere else. So I now I have to really reflect on because there were things about the job that I didn't like and things about the job that I absolutely loved. So what are the things I love that I would carry forward that I would do for free that I would do? Anyway, you know what I mean? Sure, totally. And one of the things that I really love is interviewing people. I love it. I just am curious. I want to know about people. I love to learn. So that was really the takeaway. I loved to travel. I loved to do field pieces. I like to interview and think and know. And that's the, uh, and I love to, I don't love to perform for sure. And there are things that I have to say in this world. So I had to ask myself, what is it that I love? And what do I think is left for me to say? Mm. Because I've been in the world of politics and political comedy for, at that point, 20 years. Right. Haven't I said it all? Like, what yeah. stone What stone is left unturned 
Right. And there's not a lot of issues that people would go, I wonder what Samantha B thinks about that. It's pretty because clear. you put them out there. Yeah. Bravely, courageously, it's all... thankfully, you know, as a woman, I want to thank you for those oh, seven years you did it because it, you know, we had a voice. I mean, and I have to say, when Maddow went away, I, you were right. the go to. I was uh-huh. like, Maddow, I, I'm not still mad at her. I won't even watch her on Mondays now. I'm oh, like, really? what were you possibly doing as the world is falling apart to go leave us to just Mondays, you right. wench? How like, dare I you? I really am How dare you. Her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, so what? What? what is left? Like, what? what is undiscovered country for me or what are the things that I'm still passionate to talk about mm. and interview people about? And so those were the... Those were the goals that I carried forward. And the end result of that is is actually that we created a podcast, which I had a podcast at the show, but I wanted to continue that because I actually did. I loved it. I loved right. doing it. It was I found it very relaxing and very um, invigorating. And Are you a big podcast listener? Yeah, I love listening to podcasts. And I listen to a lot of news podcasts. And they really, they just, it's such a, it's a good way for me through osmosis to like receive information so I don't have to right. scroll frantically. So I don't have to Correct. doom scroll at four thirty in the morning. Understood. I wake up. Understood. It just yes. goes it just goes in. <laughs> like yeah. it goes into osmosis. the bones. The point of your podcast or the focus of your podcast is what? Now, listen, I hate when people ask me that because mine doesn't particularly have one, but maybe yours does. You know what? It's like you end up having these meandering conversations no matter what. Like, Mm -hmm. But I guess the jumping off point to choice words is the choices that you make in life. Like the big, like a big choice or a little choice that reverberates through your life. Like what's the pebble that drops into the pond and the ripple effects in your life? I'm so... I'm curious about all that stuff because I feel like yeah. there are many moments in my own life where I just made a, a good choice or a bad choice, and I still feel the effects of that today. Yes, they, totally. They take you yeah. on a path. You go down a path, and I'm curious about other people. And then, you know, and then it evolves, and then it evolves into like a rollicking conversation about like you and I talked about. 45 different things, and it was awesome. Like, I don't right. even, you know <laughs> I, I don't mean? remember specifically yeah. what, but I know yep. I had fun talking to you. Yep. That's like, when, when people say, you have the, this podcast today, I'm so excited because right. I, I like the structure. I like to work. I like to have something yes. that I have to do a little bit of research and mm-hmm. remind myself of what I fell in love with this person first right. for and you know, renew my enthusiasm, and, and it and it makes me feel alive. You know, totally. It's like it does. I don't know. It's wonderful that, in a way, it's. I don't know if you feel this way too. I mean, in a way, it's wonderful that people listen to it and they like it too. But it yeah. almost feels like just a conversation you would have normally if you were together right. in a room, which exactly. makes it even better. I agree. I, I think it's really it's really fun, and it's something that I definitely want to continue doing. I mean, yes. you look at somebody like Joe Rogan and, you know, he right. did stand up like I did for so many years and yes. you look at his success and you think, what the hell, you know, do you have to have conspiracy theories in order to get to be a very famous podcaster? <laughs> you know, well, I'm not really sure. I don't know. Like, it's like he's up for something that I'm not up for, which is I'm not that curious about people's shitty ideas. 
Yeah, me either. <laughs> like, I think they're pretty shitty ideas, and I don't really need yeah. to get into it because I'm just right. Gonna, I don't want to argue with someone. <laughs> well, that's what somebody was like. Uh, could you please? Somebody called and you know was like inquiring. Did we want to book Bobby Kennedy? I'm like, no, oh, I do not. No, no, no. Sorry, no, no, no interest. Can I tell you something? This guy, he's please killing. Do. Tell he's, me, his campaign is is killing me inside. <laughs> it's killing me too. It's, it's unbelievable. How about unbelievable. him saying, I never said that about uh, vaccinations like, and then they roll 19 clips? 19 clips. Yeah. What are you talking about? Did you happen to see Mitch McConnell have a mini stroke there on the microphone? I did. I did see that. What were your thoughts of that? Uh, my thought was, even though I don't like this person, I don't appreciate his ideas, it's still horrific to witness, to witness someone. I agree. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. terrifying. I thought he was going to fall right down. Yeah. You know, I'd like, and I also was like, isn't anybody seeing this? It, like, it yeah. felt like it took forever. I feel like intervention could have come a lot yes, sooner. We could have had Candy Finnerin in there. Come on, let's go. Let's, right. I mean, clearly this person is having a medical emergency. Yeah. Uh, it really went on a long time. Yes. Before anyone helped him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't, it wasn't a joyful, uh, I didn't feel, I didn't feel good watching it. I felt like, oh, no, that's and a I felt so concerned about the moment. age. You know, people are yes. like, I'm sick of hearing about the age of, listen, if there's an age you have to be to mm -hmm. get in the Senate and the, to get to be uh, running for president, mm -hmm. there has to be an age out. There has to be a, yes. a start and an ending, yes. you know? Yes. Because when I see all these octogenarians running yes. the country, part of me is like, this is embarrassing. It's not effective. And you know, we don't have to Logan's run it. Like we don't need to we don't need to shut everyone down once they turn 30. That's not right. what we're talking about here, but there could be an we should age out of these positions. First of all, because you want to make way for younger people. You want to make course. way for new ideas. Things are done differently. The technology is different. I'm not I'm not ageist. I love old people. I'm not saying that there's nothing to contribute. There are ways to contribute, but boy, oh boy, I just don't think, you know, how can we be having debates about AI? Right. <laughs> how can we be having these conversations in the future we are just like catapulting ourselves into? It's going to be incomprehensible. This is, I feel like, part of the reason why we move so slowly, like a cruise ship, like making a law about something, anticipating problems is not our strong mm -hmm. suit. Correct. Long game is not really where we're at. So, are you going to go do stand-up anywhere? Are you going to go do live shows? Are I'm, you doing live, I'm doing a live show. I'm touring it. I just oh, great. launched, I just announced a bunch of new dates, actually. Is it changing, ever changing the show? Or is it a lockdown thing that you wrote that's like a one-woman show? It's like a one-woman show. So it's pretty locked right. down. I definitely did. I did about 17, 16 or 17 dates in the mm -hmm. spring. And I loved it. And so I'm adding the same amount of cities in the fall. I'm great. Uh, because... It's basically the same. I think I'll make some adjustments over the summer. You know, you end up, I just want to refresh it for myself. And right. there are areas where I was like, oh, I think I think I can either beat this or just I would love to change the tone of it or like alter it a little bit. But ultimately, it's, I love doing it. It's, I don't know if you feel similarly, but there's something about live performance where I just feel like, oh, I feel so three-dimensional doing same this. Same with me. 
there's nothing like being up there with a the crowd and, and oh. having to ride the wave of yeah. their enthusiasm yes. and attention and try to, you know, figure out where you're going as yes. you do it. It's, it's something very enriching. It's very special. It's very enriching. If people are entertained, that's great. But I feel like there's a symbiotic relation. Like, there's I'm getting as much out of them as they're getting yes. out of me. Like, we're together Right, it is a it is a reciprocal, yes, uh, joy filled thing because yes. yeah, there, there's no way to explain what that feels like either yeah. to people. You know, I I remember once years ago, mm-hmm. Madonna was at the O2 when I was there the week before it opened, and and there was uh, the first night she said, "Come here," and mm-hmm. and she was backstage, so nobody could see me, and you just heard when they saw her shadow, whatever the oh. screaming. And I felt like I was physically moved by the energy. Like my body was put, I felt a force pushing me backwards. Like how much incoming directed it was not at me, at her. And it was just in the background, you know? And I thought that as a comic, it's much more uh, intimate than the mass adulation from the multitudes. You Mm -hmm. know, very few comics get to play Shea Stadium or, you know, the O2 Arena, right? Right. Maybe Kevin Hart. Mm -hmm. I don't know who else. Maybe Mm -hmm. Dave Chappelle. Right, right. Right, but uh, But it it just felt trippy. It's like I feel like on the stage I can feel my back and I can feel my front and I feel my sides. I feel like I just am like almost like a a girl who became real, <laughs> like a doll that became real <laughs> in the, just for that hour. As you stepped on the stage. It's very, right. it's a very special and unique experience. And I love the material because I'm talking about menopause and all this stuff. And I think it's like, really needs to be said. And so that is really the truth that I needed to uncover and say to people is uh, think about our bodies and how misunderstood they are and how fucking mad we are about that and how it's ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> it's like very fun to say those words and have people like scream back because they, yes. it's just, there's it's something so, so real. Cool. When about I it. got my um, menopause started at 40, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Right. And I would be in the Target with the kid mm-hmm. and I'd see an older woman and I'd want to be like, why didn't you tell us? Like every older woman I was angry yeah. at because I thought, where's the big Nora Ephron book on menopause? Yes. But, you know, she died. But uh, where where is the Irma Bombeck? Like, I don't know. I felt like I was very unprepared for menopause very. and then very angry that it was as bad as it was. If it's very bad or a very... It's unique, like the conditions of menopause or perimenopause are so unique and it's huge. It's like a, a tsunami in your body. And, but it's also attached to all this shame. Like it was like a secret. It just was like a secret that everyone kept forever, <laughs> like right. a shameful, embarrassing secret. And I can't keep it a secret. I love to talk about like what it really did to me. And honey, do a book right after because yeah. there needs to be a book where yes. people can go to and laugh and also Just like, cry and go, yeah. all right, I'm going to get through this, you know? Yes. And like our partners need to know about it and like everybody needs to know about it so that we can all, so you don't have to introduce this concept to your 
partner for the first time in their life. Like it's fucking unfair. It's unfair unfair. to everyone. I don't want my daughters to feel like they can't talk about what's happening in their body. It's like my grandmother's generation would have never talked about it. I think even my mother's generation would not have talked about it. Only now, only now are we really starting to talk about it and 50% of the world experiences it. That's crazy. It is crazy. Well, listen, I think you're fantastic. I always have. I love that we got to do that Nora Ephron play together. so fun. That was one of my sweet memories of getting to meet women that I didn't know and some I did and getting to do that wonderful show every day. I still think of Nora so, and her sister, is just so fondly. I'm still so sad that Nora's gone. I know. It's really hard. Sometimes I still think I'm going to see what she thinks and I stop myself, you know, like something political, especially, you know. Do you remember that she gave everybody her own little self-bound cookbook at the end of that? I still, I use it. It's incredible. I have it. It's it's so precious. I don't cook, but I have it. She was so loving and so great, and uh, yeah. I, I miss her a lot too. Yeah, but I'm glad she got us to be buddies. So she there you did. Go. Yes, you, she did. I admire you so much. Thank you so much for this. It was great. Well, honey, anytime, and I love you. I love you too. All right, bye, bye. We'll be back with questions from you. Presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey, everybody, we're back, and now we have some uh, 
wonderfully surprising comments and questions from you, the listener. And please uh, drop us a little message and uh, send it to us. And we'll see if we can get you on here. Here's a first question from you, a listener. Hi, Rosie. This is Micah calling from Highland Park, uh, Los Angeles area. Um, I just finished reading your 2002 memoir, Find Me, and I enjoyed it so much. I found it so riveting, so fascinating, so vulnerable, and I just burned through it. Um, I I work at the Music Center downtown as an usher, and uh, so I read during the shows, and um, you came and saw Transparent, and I was so bummed that I missed you because I was working at Amundsen that night. But anyway, I digress. Um, Usually, I only read while I'm at work, but this was so good that I was even reading it at home when I was off. But my question is, how do you feel about this book now? I, I mean, I loved it, but you know, 20 years later, are you still in touch with Melissa? Have your feelings changed about how you felt when you were writing this book? You know, a lot can change in 20 years. And I'm just curious what the sort of follow-up to this book is. But yeah, I loved it. And uh, I love you. And keep, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. What a sweet little memo. I love hearing your voices. I love getting these questions and and comments. And thank you for what you said about that book, Find Me. That was the first book that I wrote with the help of Lawrence Slater, who's a friend of mine and also a psychologist. And, um, you know, when I went to her at first and said, here's what's happened in my life in the last eight months, and it's a riveting story. And what I want the book to be about is who's the crazy one? Who's the crazy one? Is it this woman in the middle of the country diagnosed with multiple personality disorder who somehow connected with me through an adoption agency phone number and wanted help for her daughter who had been attacked by a a youth minister in in the church in the town? And um, I am still in touch with Melissa, and that's not her real name, but I'm still in touch with her. And we sometimes text and we have an occasional call and check in with each other. Uh, she has a son that I didn't mention in the book because he was young still and I worried about competence and custody and whether the book would affect that. So we didn't include him in the book. Everybody in that family is doing well. And, you know, my feelings about the book haven't changed. That's sort of who I was and where I was at the time doing my show in the swirl of fame and showbiz and celebrity, which was new to me and um, affected me in ways that I I didn't really have time to process while I was in the midst of it. And I think now, 20 years later, looking back, I can see I was trying to, you know, maintain my humanity and and my open heart and, and still care as much as I do about people and and their world and what's happening. And I think that um, the amount of interaction and the amount of love and connection that I put into that relationship is something that I have continued to do in my adult life with people that I meet. I, I never think that you meet someone by accident. I always think when someone comes into your life and your world, there's a reason, and that's not coincidence, and there really isn't coincidence. So, you know, there was, of all the people that got through, she got through, and we had a personal connection, and that's what happened in the relationship. So, so yes, that's the answer to your questions, I, I think, and, and I'm so happy that you loved the book. So thank you very much for this question, and... um And thank you for 
caring so much and for speaking so lovingly about a piece of my life and work that felt very personal. And I was very nervous about putting it out there. So I'm glad that you received it and that you really liked it. So thank you so much. All right. And we've got another question now coming in for today. Let's see what we got. Hi, Ro. This is Polly sending you a message from the mountains of Western North Carolina, just outside of Asheville. I grew up in central New York State, though, and I'm just about a year older than you. So I have a lot of the same references that you do, uh, such as going into New York and seeing shows and things like that. And I enjoy it when your callers send in a message to say that they loved coming home from school and watching your program. And for me, and I suspect you, it was Mike Douglas that we would watch in the afternoon and Merv Griffin that we would watch in the evening. And I just love those shows, especially, well, both of them, but Mike Douglas, the way, the format where he had a famous guest host for the entire week, and then they would get on all these other people, and they would be interviewed by both Mike Douglas and his guest host, and some of those pairings were just absolutely wild. And I'm wondering if you could share some memories of watching those programs, and, and, and I'll start the ball rolling by telling you about my favorite comedian then, I thought she was the funniest person who walked the earth, the wonderful Toadie Fields. And I remember a story she told about losing her so-called diamond ring down down a toilet on an airplane and how she had to um, work with the airline to get that back. And it was a historical story. I, I need to find that sometime. Maybe it's on YouTube. I'm wondering if you could share some stories and, and especially about Toadie Fields. Did you love her as I did? did? Were you inspired by her when you started your career? Just curious and just wanted to share a few memories from one 60-plus-year-old to another. Thanks, and I love your show. Bye. Thank you so much. What a great, great little memo there. I uh, I totally loved Mike Douglas like you did and Merv Griffin. You know, I was so blown away by Toadie Fields my whole career. I mean, I, I never really wanted to be a comedian, a stand-up, so to speak. I really wanted to be like a Broadway actress and Barbara Streisand, Bette Midler. You know, I wanted to be a harlot, a backup singer for bed. I I didn't necessarily look at stand-up as an art form that I I wanted to get into. You know, I I wasn't that familiar with it and it didn't speak to me as much as musicals did and acting did, but it was Toadie Fields who got me very interested in a woman's point of view and perspective done in that genre of entertainment. And um, I, I just fell in love with her. Toadie Fields was one of my favorites, for sure. I loved Phyllis, too, and I got to know Phyllis Diller towards the end of her career. And she was very kind to me and used to send me gifts from her closet. Like I wore this on the tonight show in 1968 and she'd send me, you know, a purse that she used in Vegas. And it was very, very lovely and very sweet. And she sent me art too. She was a wonderful painter. I've had a really, really amazing career where I've got to meet so many of the people that I admired growing up. And, and it's been very fulfilling for me. It's been very overwhelming and, and very much full circle moment. So yes, Mike and Merv, I owe them everything. And thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, your comments. Listen, if you want to leave us a voice memo, please do. 
you got a question, you got a suggestion, you got just something you got to get off your chest. All you got to do is go to onwardrosy at gmail.com. How do you make a voice memo, people say? Well, I can only tell you if you have an iPhone. iPhone, type in voice memo, little microphone comes up, go press the button, record it, then it says where to, say mail, onwardrosy at gmail.com. Attach file, you're done. That's it. And if you have an Android... Tough luck. I don't have anything to say to help you, really. It just gets shake it. Maybe just shake it. Okay, so listen, we have a great, great guest next week. My personal chef, an internationally renowned celebrity chef, Elizabeth Faulkner. Not only is she one of the best chefs in the country, she really is. I have to tell you, she's a magical woman. During COVID, she was sitting around and feeling antsy and feeling like, I don't know what to do. All of these restaurants are closing. All of these famous chefs that she knows are out of work and struggling. And somehow she put together this beautiful, beautiful documentary called Sorry We're Closed. And it's about what happened to the restaurant business during COVID. So during COVID, she went and interviewed all of her friends who are internationally renowned chefs in their own right. And they talked about the effect that COVID had on the lives of these chefs who run 200 person families by having a staff and this, you know, and knowing all the staff and seeing them every day and all of a sudden to nothing, to no work, to no. And it's a wonderful, wonderful look at the ramifications culturally and financially and emotionally on a specific group of people whose job it is to love and give and serve food to others. It is one of my favorite documentaries I've ever seen, and I was so moved by knowing how real it was for me, COVID, and the effect it had on me, and then seeing the effect on a specific group of people. So Elizabeth Faulkner is going to be here next week, and uh, we're going to talk about her documentary, And her documentary is available now, Sorry We're Closed, on Amazon and Apple and iTunes, and it's available for you. And I think you will love it. I really do. I loved it so much. I've watched it a bunch of times, and every time I see something or hear something different from these uh, unbelievably talented, loving chefs that she gets to speak to, Elizabeth Faulkner, next week here on Onward. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today. 
by visiting musicgives.org. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.